Welcome to Those Happy Places, the podcast dedicated to the literary analysis of theme park rides and attractions. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And today we're talking about the Haunted Mansion, its unique atmosphere, its use of space and theming, and its storytelling techniques. But I guess what we should start with, since this is our first episode, is uh, why theme park rides? Uh, Buddy, what is your relationship to theme park rides? Why did you decide that we should start this podcast? Oh my goodness. What a question. Uh, (laughs) I guess you could say that I decided that this podcast absolutely needed to be a thing. Uh, The last time I went to Disneyland, um, and what was happening was I was uh, walking around, not even near other rides. You know that area uh, next to Sleeping Beauty's Castle? Uh, where there's a Snow White, like, diorama, for lack of a better word. Is it the, with the wishing well? Yeah, and the wishing well's (laughs) right there, right? Yeah. So, we rounded the corner, and the wishing well was right there, and, uh, Aladdin and Jasmine were there. And they were greeting people. (laughs) Yeah, they were in their, they were in their wedding outfits, which I thought was interesting, because, like, that's kind of rare, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so they're in their wedding outfits, and... I was like, oh, cool, here's Alice and Jasmine, and they're, like, greeting guests and, like, uh, waving and having a good time. And I looked over at the wishing well, and there was this woman standing there, uh, completely ignoring all of that, with her hands clasped with a coin in them, having a legitimate, I think, almost religious experience wishing into the wishing well. Wow. And and I say this not to uh, make light or make fun, but, like, that's how important this woman's trip to Disneyland was to her. And she wanted to do this thing that much that she she had that quiet moment. And I started to think, like, what makes Disneyland and other theme parks that kind of a place for people? And I guess that got me thinking more and more about how theme parks were that important That's and why really we needed cool. to talk about them. That's extremely cool. And something that we've definitely taken for granted as like Southern California natives, we both grew up less than a 30 minute drive away from Disneyland. We've had annual passes our whole life. We used to go to Universal Studios after school sometimes just for yeah, fun we would we would drive an hour from our area to universal studios to spend two three hours there just to um, ride the jurassic park ride like seven or eight times in a row what was our record yeah, nine nine and and that was in the off season of course but you know it, it it's the kind I, of thing I, that we've always taken for granted as something that we just have nearby yeah. but for some people this is a a real big deal for them yeah could you could you imagine uh because we kind of have to, or I guess in our in our current lives, we don't really have to, because uh, you live all the way in New York, New York, True. and I live all the way in the Bay Area, California, so it's it's harder to go there. Um, it but is. Could you I haven't it? been to a theme park since uh, October, I think, and that was a special occasion. Right. Uh, so So you can kind of imagine saving up for a year or years to make this trip to this really important place that uh, means a lot to you because you maybe went when you were a kid or you've been more recently, but it it reminds you of something. Uh, And 
what what makes those things tick, I think, or what makes people think that way or act that way is the attractions. Uh, much more, I think, than like the way the Dole Whip tastes, which is very important, but like... It is very important. Let's so not important. disparage the Dole Whip. No, we're not disparaging the Dole Whip. But, you know, that's that's what it's that's what's so important about it. So... Right. Yeah, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it is a... It's the rides. That's yeah. what that's what matters about Disneyland and about Universal Studios or SeaWorld or any of these. I mean, not not really SeaWorld, but they're trying. <laughs> they're, they're, trying. they're trying. They're trying. They are trying. They're trying. Uh, to, they're doing roller coasters and stuff now. I don't know. Um, yeah. But at, at the end of the day, it's, it's the attractions. It's not the food. It's not the merch. It's right. the attractions. That's why you're there. And and we both kind of had that magic ruined for us, or not ruined. Not ruined. But I'd say we, we have back. had it diluted <laughs> uh, by working there yes. uh, and by spending so much time there when we were teenagers. I tell people that it was practically our mall. It was our uh, mall. We all we were, had passes. We were such Disney punks. <laughs> uh, we would just hang around and, and be like, "You don't want to come down this uh, side street, old man." We used to say to to vendors and stuff when they'd ask us if we wanted to buy stuff, we'd say like, "It's okay, we're local." Like, <laughs> do you remember that? It was I, ridiculous. I, I do remember saying, "Don't hassle me, I'm local." Don't hassle um, me, I'm local. Which, uh, you know, to those who don't know us, we've been best friends since we were what twelve. So 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 long ago. So long ago. Uh, what are you now? Like thirty eight. What are What are you now? Like a hundred and two. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're in our late twenties now and we've been friends for so long and we've been, we've gone to, to theme parks a thousand times together and we both went on and got our advanced degrees in, uh, I got mine in, in literature and then publishing. And um, I'm, uh, I'm a media studies nerd that way. And so we take what we know and what we love and a little bit of nostalgia and we, I don't know, turn it into a podcast. Yeah, so that's that's what those happy places is all about. It's gonna be a little scholarly and a little silly, but mostly uh, silly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mostly we're here not to review rides or tell you how we feel about new Disney lands or you know expansions to various parks or whatever. We're here to talk about story primarily. Yeah, yeah, the stories that the rides tell, and I can think of no better jumping off point than. The story of the haunted mansion. The haunted mansion. I, is, I have been thinking about this ride nonstop since we decided to do this episode. It is so iconic and it is so good, but it's so simple at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is kind of just a haunted house, uh, and that's that's really what the spirit of the ride was when it was being designed. So, shall we jump into a little bit of history? Let's do a little bit of history, but we want to get right into analysis. So, just a little. If you so, really want good history of this ride and some really incredible, like, backstory on the design of this ride, there is a episode of the Stuff You Missed in History Class podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, back at, it was published back in 2013, so you might have to go digging for it. But that's a favorite podcast of ours. And, if yeah, if you want a full history, go there. But we'll give you a brief one here real quick. Right. So, uh... The Haunted Mansion opened in 1967 after over a decade of work performed by multiple teams of engineers, artists, and writers. Uh, it started out as a concept from Walt Disney himself, 
uh, and he was inspired by real-life haunted attractions, such as the Winchester Mystery House in California. Uh, guests originally would be welcomed by a tour guide, who would then guide them from room to room of the mansion, offering tidbits of history, and then the uh, room would sort of come alive, and there would be a haunting or some kind of special effect, and then they would move on to the next room. Uh, so variations on early on the early concept do exist. Uh, some a little funnier, some a little darker and more grim. But the walking tour concept was basically the whole thing up until the point when they moved into the final design phase and realized that they they didn't have the capacity that they were looking for. So they moved it to the uh, now famous or maybe infamous Omnitrack system, which is how we get the doom buggies that are able to rotate and move from room to room inside the mansion. It's essentially a giant conveyor belt that brings people from from room to room. The doom buggies are specially designed to um to to shield everything from view except for what the designers want the writers to see, which yeah. gives them so much control over over the precise story that they want to tell. Which which for this for this podcast, since we're talking about the story of it, is really important. It's that the designers basically want to show you a series of moments or events uh, that tell you this story. But the story is kind of uh, nebulous, right? It's extremely nebulous and, <laughs> and has sparked, oh my god, so many theories and uh, and so many more analyses than we could ever cover in in one podcast. Uh um, would you would you like to jump into one of those? Well, uh there's oh which which one which one do you want me to do? <laughs> well, I was going to I was going to move into the death theory. Oh boy, the death theory. Right. Okay. So um skipping ahead a little bit into the ride, um a, pro the second to last scene of the ride, you're um you, your doom buggy takes you through the attic of the house, uh, which is filled with boxes and mementos and, and pictures belonging to the inhabitants of the home, um, including the bride, whose name is Constance Hatchaway, as I've learned recently. Uh, that, is, that is way too on the nose, by the way. I know. Constance Hatchaway. Like, what a crazy name. For a murderous bride, she's for holding an a hatchet. Axe murderer. She's holding a hatchet, and and you. So you pass her. You make this turn. Is the hatbox goes there? You've ridden it more. The hatbox ghost is there. Uh, so you see the hatbox ghost, the infamous hatbox ghost. He's the last thing you see before the doom buggy travels out the window backwards. The doom buggy turns itself around, and you go down. A fairly steep slope. Yeah, I mean, it, it really up towards the ceiling. It really does feel like you're kind of on your back in that moment. Like I'm I not kind sure of about a the little exact bit, angle. A little bit. Almost always want to take a nap while I'm going down. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if a, the ride stops there. Oh, that is so relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> and so you go down, and there's all these spooky trees and stuff, and then you straighten up, and you are in the gardens of the ride yeah, or in the gardens great. of the mansion sorry 
Um, and you look around and there's trees and flower beds and gravestones and, 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 and most importantly, ghosts. Yeah. Look at all these ghosts. And they're having a party. And they're having a grand old party. And then you get the, the song and then you're, then the ride's basically over. Yeah. And then, well, then there's the hitchhiking ghost scene. Right. The hitchhiking ghosts. And then, and then you get, you get a ghost and then you walk off the ride. Right. So that idea, the, the big theory is that when you, turn around and go backwards from the attic to the grounds that you are dying, that you are either jumping or being thrown out of the window um, from the attic to the grounds, which is a fall that presumably would kill you. And that's why you're partying with the ghosts in yeah. the cemetery. And now, now the ghosts are much more solid looking than they looked perhaps like in the dining room or right. uh, they're much more out there than they looked earlier in the ride when they were just kind Even of suggested. Even kind of directly interacting with you as far as the hitchhiking ghosts go. Yeah. Uh, uh, so so that theory is pretty sound. It sounds really, really good. And it's it's super satisfying, like, as a fan of the ride to be like, ooh, I'm part of the ride and I'm I'm becoming a ghost like the other ghosts. Um, but, but we were talking about this earlier and uh, something that we really want to draw kind of a line on is what is the text of the ride? What is stated? Or shown or experienced, uh, and versus if, theories and fan concepts and fan art and 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 stuff like that. Basically, what's canon and what's not canon. Yeah, and and the death theory simply is not canon, right? It's not canon. It's never been explicitly said. Hey, now you're dead. Now you <laughs> are a ghost too. In fact, I the think ghost the host just says, "Welcome to the party." Yeah. Oh, there you then, are. Oh, there Oh, there you are. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Here's the party. Here's your song. Now take a ghost with you as you go. Yeah, and, and the taking of the ghost with you even kind of refutes that death theory because uh, it's saying you are not a ghost. A ghost is following you, but you're leaving this place, and that's not what living people do. Uh, well, that's not what dead people... Dead people don't leave. Dead you people leave. don't leave. Yeah. Uh, you leave. Uh, right. And... and... You walk out of the crypt at the and, end. And, and you're welcomed back. Yeah. They say, hurry back. Like, come back. Hurry back when you die. <laughs> when, you're, when you're dead, come bring, join us. Bring your death certificate. But you're exactly. not... You're not dead. No. Uh, it's an f- awesome theory, though. I, like... I love it. I really love it's it. Just, it's just not... It's just not canon. So we're... We're talking about the story and the text of the ride as canon. So, and I think we should start. We should rewind a little and go back to the very, very beginning of the ride and talk about pre-show. Right. Okay. So, so two uh, two big concepts that we wanted to cover today about the haunted mansion. Uh, one was talking about it in context uh, and kind of deconstructing its uh, themes, and the other is talking about uh, how it kind of tells its story in a unique way that is so enduring and that people really love because of its unique storytelling tactics, right? Right. Uh, and for me, uh, the the subject that I really wanted to dive into was pre-show. Uh, this idea Why don't you tell our listening audience what pre-show is? Okay, so when you're, when you're talking about theme park rides, there's two parts of each ride. Um, basically, there's the show... Uh, and I put show in air quotes, which is excellent radio. 
Um, <laughs> so there's the show in air quotes, which is the ride itself. It's uh, generally when you're sitting down, you're buckled in. Uh, the movie or the uh, the track uh, plays and you kind of go on your merry way and you experience the show, the ride itself. Uh, and that's, that's the main part of the ride. It's, uh, where the thrills ex are experienced, it's where the movement is experienced, uh, and it's really kind of where most of the story is told, right? Uh, the pre-show is different. The pre-show exists as part of the lines, uh, it exists as part of safety instructions, uh, it's theme elements in the line or uh cast cast members cast members and how, how they're dressed yeah for sure or how they act uh it could be entire storylines uh for example uh to kind of bring up a, a secondary text or a reference uh in the indiana jones ride uh there is an entire hidden story about abner ravenwood indiana jones's mentor having come to this temple first uh, right. And there's, there's crates that say, you know, care of Dr. Ravenwood. And he's got a whole lab set up. Yeah. He's got, he's got these other things in there. Uh, and that's all pre-show. It gets you kind of in the mood. Uh, not to mention in that, in that line, there's a very heavy emphasis on theming. It's in a cave in the temple. Uh, we can talk about Indiana Jones for an hour on it. Right. Own. So, we so we don't want to, we don't want to spend too much time on it, but. That's all pre-show. That's what we would call the pre-show. And it gets you in the mood, and this is the important part about it, is that it gets you in the mood uh, and starts to immerse you in the world of the ride. Uh, so in the case of the Haunted Mansion, the pre-show is really unique, in my opinion. Uh, and I, I'd be happy to argue this with you. Uh, <laughs> I can argue. <laughs> oh, well, no, I, can, I can't argue that it's unique. It is very unique. But your particular interpretation i will argue with you but go ahead right okay so, so my thesis statement is that uh the official line between show and pre-show of the haunted mansion uh is when you step onto the doom buggy uh when you are sat down and locked in and that's that's the very conventional definition of Show versus pre-show, right? Right. Going from walking to right. Yeah. That's when very when typical. the ride begins and you're no longer you no longer have any agency as far as stopping the ride, getting off the ride, walking away from the ride, looking at anything that they don't want you to look at. It's you are now on the ride. The show has begun. Uh but and this is a big but, uh <laughs> that might not be where the show really begins. Uh and I think, for me, the show begins when you step into the foyer and the ghost host's narration starts. Uh, and okay. and there's, there's that classic narration about where uh, hinges creak in doorless chambers. That is the time when ghosts are present. And I am your host, your ghost host. Uh, and yes. part of that, I think, comes down to the history of the ride, because that's when in the walking tour version of the ride, you might have met your actual living host who would have kind of jungle cruised you through the rest of the house. <laughs> um, and 
that I like the use of Jungle Cruise as a verb. Oh, yeah. oh man, that's we're gonna get all sorts of terms like that going. Uh, so I love he would, it. He would have moved you, or he or she would have moved you around the house, uh, in the same way that the ghost host does. Uh, and that means that the stretching room or the elevator scene, depending on how you want to refer to it, the stretching room is also part of the show because you're kind of locked in, dialed into this world, kind of descending into the story, literally descending into the story. In the case of Disneyland, <laughs> uh, at Disney World, it's, it actually stretches. Um, so there's that. Um, Sorry, it just is this room actually stretching? In, in the case of Walt Disney oh, World, yes it is. Yeah, yes it absolutely is. It, it is. Uh in Disneyland you are going down a little bit and kind of moving into the show building. Uh this extremely cool elevator design where they raise the ceiling and lower the floor at the same time. I'm a huge fan. It's awesome. Uh Go on. so yes. Uh that's all you might define that traditionally as pre-show, but I think because of how immersive it is and how it's inviting the audience into the show and telling the story of the ghost host who who got locked into this chamber with no windows and doors, uh, because of that, it's show. Uh, it's okay. important and crucial to the ride itself it doesn't contain any uh, unnecessary details or safety information. Uh, <laughs> it's themed very, very heavily, like some pre-shows might be. But it ultimately, that's it's not theming anymore. It's just trying to tell you the story with those candle-holding gargoyles and the stretching paintings and the skeleton hanging from the roof, right? That's all part of the story. Right. Uh, now, you may argue that you kind of go back into pre-show in the gallery, uh, but I would argue that that's all show. Once you're in the show, it's all show. Uh, and there's, there's no turning back. I agree. I agree that the elevator is show. Mm -hmm. And I also, now that you mentioned that the gallery there, I'm going to agree that's also show. Because it's a little, um, you get to play with it a little, the the busts that follow you when you move your head and the paintings that change and stuff it's it's still waiting in line but you are officially no longer looking at what's obviously just a spooky house and you are now in a like this is definitely a haunted house oh yeah it, it, it has i'm going to disagree that the foyer is part of the show oh, yeah i think the foyer is the pre-show okay I'm actually, nope, I'm going to take a step further back. I think that, I think that you can argue that stepping through the front gate is the pre-show. Okay. And I'm saying this because of, uh, of how, not interactive, but how, um, how visual the line waiting for that ride is. Oh, absolutely. There's the pet cemetery. There's the mausoleum. At Walt Disney World, Madame Leota's headstone opens her eyes and looks at you. Like, it's extremely cool. And then you step into the foyer and you get an introduction. But that's all still in my head. That's pre-show. This is like, we're getting ready to go. I think the minute that the lights go completely black and the elevator, you feel the elevator start to move. 
And even the music changes a little bit, and the ghost host is no longer just saying, hi, welcome to the Haunted Mansion, but is telling the story yeah. now. I think that's where the, the show starts. starts. I don't think the foyer. The show starts during the descent. Yes. Okay. It, fair enough. Fair enough. And that's what's so cool about pre-show versus show as a concept, especially with Haunted Mansion. Is that especially with Disney? Especially really, Disney is so good at blurring that. There's line. a reason Disney is uh, not the only topic we'll be covering, but probably the main topic is because they have this down to a science that nobody else uh, has touched in terms. Oh my gosh! In terms of how good we it need is. a whole episode, a whole episode on Universal Studios and their spacing problem. But we'll get there. That's that's a. We'll yeah, but Disney is so, so good at blurring every line between are you actually on a ride? Are you just watching a show? Are you involved and personally in the story are itself? You the hero when they have the characters of the story. Uh, are you are you involved in making the story happen? Uh and these are really big questions that I think are better better safe for later episodes. Yeah, we can yeah, we have so much content to cover. So let's once again, rewind back to the Haunted okay, Mansion. Okay, so we're we're talking about uh, the Haunted Mansion in terms of the story that it does tell. So it tells the story of right. this mansion uh, in New Orleans, uh, and it is pronounced New Orleans. <laughs> Sorry, say, say that This again. mansion in New Orleans. How do you pronounce it? Uh, New Orleans. Okay, well, uh, the train conductor uh, recording at Disneyland uh, yes. uh, pronounces it. Orleans. It stops at New Orleans yes, Square, Mickey's Tomb Town. <laughs> yes, very, yes, very did. important that we call it that. Um, so All right, fine. Stops at New Orleans because Square. it's not New Orleans. It's New Orleans. It's a different place, actually. Um, it's kind of a, a fantasized, like uh, a saturated yeah. version of the New Orleans yeah. that we know. Uh, so. So it's this haunted house in New Orleans uh, that's uh, very visibly spooky on the outside. That you kind of approach through the front gate and there's this really morbid pet cemetery that's full of jokes for some reason. Uh, And and Mr. Toad, which is so sad. (laughs) Because we know he went to hell. Uh, And they even have a, a, a grave for their dog that's like, he was our friend till the end. And like, oh man. And and Aww. the bat, which is upside down, and that's cute. Uh, and then there's there's human graves as well in the back, so you only really see that when the line is longer. And they're most of them are named after uh, Imagineers and people who worked on the ride and who worked. Uh, and in there the park there itself. are also puns, <laughs> like lots like and lots I am mortal, uh, which is really great. Uh, so it, you you walk through that. You step into the foyer, the ghost host introduces you to the Haunted Mansion, Uh, a door mysteriously opens, and you walk into the stretching room, which has no door, you realize, upon being in there. The ghost host says that he died to escape, uh, and shows you that's what he did. Uh, So you can assume, then, that he's... Oh, no, sorry. Further in the story, you kind of put together that the the host and, and... The man who died was the owner right. of the uh, or or that uh, at, at the very least he's in charge in some way or uh, maybe maybe some kind of a butler. <laughs> um, so <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> so he, he, uh, he then opens a door for you, a way out, 
uh, and you're in the gallery. You walk through the gallery. The paintings change. The heads follow you. It has officially moved into straight up creepy town. Uh, you <laughs> board the doom buggy, uh, and you go through the rest of the mansion while the host kind of narrates and tells you about, you know, what's happening while you're there. So he explains that it's a very unlivable situation, which they love. Uh, and then Madame Leota kind of awakens the rest of the house's spirits. I'm. Yeah, I'd like to 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 jump there. Madame Leota, who is the very very physical definition of the archetype of the crone, uh who who's one of a, a handful of female archetypes in in storytelling, uh the crone is typically a an typically an older woman, but definitely a spooky woman who knows more than she lets on, telling you we are contacting the spirits, indicate your presence by ringing a bell, look at these tarot cards, and she's got all of this, like, lace and velvet right. around her. And it's worth noting that up until that point, you don't actually see a Right, ghost. Uh, you, see, you see the suggestions you, of ghosts. Uh, you see haunting. You see a door that looks like yeah. it's breathing. You, <laughs> you see a, a candle, or a candelabra, really, floating on its own down the endless hallway. Um, and as nicknamed, I think, by fans. Um, the endless hallway and then the the, the clock that says 13, yeah. you know, all the spooky stuff, but you you meet Leota, this, this, this disembodied head in a crystal ball, and she shows you the first yeah. ghosts that you and, see. And after that point, you you go to the swinging wake, right? So that's when, that's when there are right. really, uh, like, physically manifested ghosts. Uh, and... Then you go into the attic, you see the creepy, creepy stuff, you see Constance Hatch Hatchworth Hatchaway, and she's like, I killed all my I know, husbands. I know, it's so uh Yeah, and she and, and she disappears and reappears, the the hatchet disappears in her hand and comes back, and it's very, very creepy. And and all of the portraits in the attic of her husbands, their heads disappear a little yeah, at a time. That's really cool. Like that's a really cool effect. It's and very and cool. then there's the hatbox ghost who, with his moving head, uh, may be interpreted to be one of Constance's hub husbands, though that's never said. Because it's never stated yeah. outright. Uh, that's again the difference between canon and not right. canon is that yes, he is missing his head. However, he it could be yeah. Anybody. Any connection that you make there is your own. Uh, unlike the the portraits the of the of the husbands with Constance losing their heads, being uh, telling a very clear right. story. But uh, but there is some there there is a, a strong prevailing opinion that he is not only one of Constance's husbands having lost his head, but the owner of the home. Oh, so maybe he's the host. Uh, Yes, but the ghost the but the ghost host shows us a, a hanging body rather than yeah a, than a, than a uh, uh, which which could be his own body or it could just be oh there's always my way look yeah, death look, or suicide uh, which is uh, another thing that maybe needs to be addressed about the haunted mansion it's very dark uh, and and that's <laughs> but, that's but, interesting right it's, but it's, it's super dark and yet kind of joyous so. Uh, as you, as you ah. move into the graveyard and there was the swinging wake, which was already a party, uh, the party kind of moves out into the graveyard and everybody's having a good time singing Grim Grinning Ghosts. Uh, and then, uh, Ghost follows you home and the ride is over. And 
it doesn't feel like a downer ending. No, and here's why. I am so ready ready for your uh, your pet topic this week. I would like to tell you about jazz funerals. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm really excited for your take on this. I just. there's a handful of things that I that I want to talk about this episode, but a big one tonight is jazz funerals. Uh, a jazz funeral is a traditional celebration, uh, and and I'm not even going to say for lack of a better better term, that's what it is. It's a celebration in traditional like New Orleans area, like Bayou, Louisiana, lots of um that that kind of culture down there. A jazz funeral is a funeral procession that follows a coffin to its final resting place and is accompanied by mournful music from a live band. A, 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 a Typically a couple of trumpets and a trombone and this, this people dressed in all white. It's, it's uh, playing mournful, sad funeral music. But the, as soon as the body is placed into the ground, as soon as the coffin is lowered into the dirt, the music turns celebratory and triumphant. They play things like when the saints go marching in and all of these like party tunes on the, on these jazz instruments. It's a celebration of a person's life. Like you're not allowed to cry after that point. That's the end you celebrate. And, and the ending of the haunted mansion is walking. You walk out, you walk up that conveyor belt. You, you walk back out into the light and you've been in the dark for it's a six minute ride not including, not including the pre-show the, or show depending on how you look at it or the show show <laughs> not including the like from from the minute that you get on the dune buggy to the minute you walk off the dune buggy it's six minutes that doesn't include any other elevator or anything so you've been underground and in the dark for a really long time you step out into that light and suddenly you're back at disneyland and more often than not if you turn immediately to your right and look out towards Pirates of the Caribbean, there's a big old oh, yeah. jazz band playing music right there. Oh, yeah. This is your, this may, if you subscribe to the death theory, this is your jazz funeral. You've just died, basically, and you've come out into your own funeral. That's, that's really an incredible connection that I, I never really made. If you don't subscribe to the death theory, then it's a little bit like, it's it's this weird um it's this weird like dissonance. You're like I just watched this like really crazy intense like thing about death and there's more than one suicide and like I don't know like and then suddenly that's bright and shiny and Disney again. Like that sort of darkness versus light is so unique. There's not really another ride in Disneyland. Uh, that does maybe that. maybe not a ride anywhere at all. I mean, other haunted attractions uh kind of kind of rely on you leaving feeling super spooked out. Uh it, like they want you to believe right. it was real that you really experienced a haunting where uh Disneyland has no such priority. Uh it's it's designed to be atmospheric and to remind you of hauntings and the imagery of being haunted, but it right. kind of delivers in a different way. It's like you saw something that was way more real than those fake real things. Uh, you, you saw like <laughs> real ghosts singing, but they're not upset about it. They're like kind of having a good time with me. 
They're like, this just kind of, yeah. kind of happens. And what Disney instead wants you to take from it, and in a little bit more of a cynical tone, is uh, a little bit uh, more of the, on the merchandise. <laughs> Are you ready to talk about the, they, the uh, merchandise cart right outside of the crib? I thought, <laughs> I thought that was a yeah, pretty good sure. segue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, like, uh, aside from the rest of Disneyland, which is pretty heavily um, marketed towards, like, little kids, especially little boys, you know, I'd, I'd say little boys and little girls in the traditional yeah, kind gender of, kind sense. kind of the princesses versus equally. cowboys or pirates uh, line that you might draw. Sure. Um, which, that's, that's, that's its own another topic, topic for too. sure. Um um, but Haunted Mansion is different, and Buddy can tell you. Uh, why. yeah. So, so I I very recently went to Disneyland and rode Haunted Mansion. It was one of my priorities. Uh, and as I walked out, uh, I was thinking, oh, I should get some sweet merch to commemorate this experience. Uh, and one of the things that was hanging on the cart uh was an apron that had the print that the uh cast members wear. And it was a little lacy and a little frilly, and it has a name tag on it that says Ghost Host. Uh, but but in my house, I am the person that does the dishes. Uh, and I like to wear an apron so my shirt doesn't get wet. I, I don't I don't know about you know, most most dishwashing people. No, that's that's yeah, very, for sure. very practical. Uh, and I was like, oh, I could use a new apron. And then I realized that this is a very, a very feminine object. Uh, and not that that made me want to buy it less. What made me want to buy it less was that it was, you know, $50 for an apron. Uh, but <laughs> I thought to myself, yeah. But so much of their yeah, merch and, is and you were talking about a friend of yours who... Yeah, my buddy Lizzie, who bought a really, really nice purse that is printed with the uh, the print of the wallpaper from inside the Haunted Mansion. That, like, kind of, it almost looks like a fleur-de-lis, but it's like a, like, this kind of, uh, which would make sense. In New Orleans. Uh, New no. Orleans, like, French-inspired. Um, but uh, it's this gorgeous, like, Dooney and Burke purse um, with the print on it. And she wears it with, like, every outfit. Um, so, so it's like one of those Disney merch that you can make work for your day to day kind of thing. But and there's so much like that. It's not just the purse, but like countless other pieces of merch with not just the wallpaper print, but like Constance is a, is Constance Hatchaway. She's a doll. Like you can get so much of this, of this merch that is, that is uh, not to mention the better. prominent role of Madame Leota. Uh, in in all of this, as a very powerful feminine figure, where the masculine figures are dead, um, or have been killed, right by Constance, uh, and that's that's really really interesting. And and then to say that so much of the merchandise surrounding the haunted mansion is kind of caught up in this idea of almost domesticity and homemaking, uh. It's a, it's a home. It's a, it's a, it's a mansion. It is still home, a home. So, a home. so it's a place that needs taken care of. And you too can have the wallpaper that makes it such a pretty home. Um, yeah, it's so, it's coded so feminine. And, and even the, the story itself and, and like typical, this is, this is my okay. other pet topic tonight. Um, the, uh, no, if we're just going to dive right into it. Um, my, 
I was thinking about it. I, I, I wrote like a 2000 word essay in preparation for, for recording this that I'm not going to read to you. Um, but so much of the Haunted Mansion is coded feminine. So much of, of, of death in our culture is coded feminine, not just our culture, but cultures around the world. Uh, I already said that Madame Leota is the crone. She is, you know, the, the, the feminine archetype of, of this older woman, this, um, and, and, but the things that she's surrounded by with the velvet and the lace and, and everything and the dead flowers, flowers are, are so And they're so everywhere feminine. around the haunted mansion. Um, and they're everywhere and they're mostly dead. Um, <laughs> or they appear dead. Okay. I, I think they're, they're like very well taken <laughs> care of dead. to appear that dead. <laughs> yeah, they do. They, yes. Disney's very good. Um, flowers bring, uh, beauty and softness to this hard inevitable truth of death you know and flowers are, are are so common at every funeral and 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 in so many cultures around the world mourning uh they act not not good morning but mourning is traditionally done by by women with wailing and crying and sometimes for days on end um and, and there's so many cultures that rely on 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 wailing yeah mourning women uh, and, and, and women are expected to bear this cultural burden, uh, to, to be the ones that, that not just plan the funerals, but act as caregiver that I have to be strong for my family, um, or, or their job is to sit there and, and, and make a ton of noise for, for like a week or something. There's at least one culture where women have to just cry loudly for days to, to signify that sure. the family's in mourning. And, and so the, the audience on the Haunted Mansion is constantly surrounded by reminders of this, of this femininity with the flowers and the, the, all the art features different women um, in either dead or, or in perilous situations, like the, uh, like the, the girl yeah. on the tightrope above the alligators and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and then there's, Constance herself, this almost this, almost this uh, usher this of death, wedding... uh, this this one who brings yeah. death, and Leota, the uh, conduit to death. Yeah, everything is feminine, and then when you leave, there's a soft female voice, which I think is the same voice actress as the woman who plays Madame Le Leota, but it doesn't sound like Madame Leota. It's a soft female voice. Hurry back! Hurry back! She's this kind, sweet, feminine voice that kind of softens a little bit that exit we were talking about, that, that, that exit between this dark, kind of grim ride into mm. this brightness for your, for your jazz funeral. Um, she's, she, she, she tells you to come back and she says, hurry back. I, I, she's either saying hurry back to the ride or come back to death depending on on how you read your you know your fall yeah. or whatever um uh and then she, she it's just um it is uh, the 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 whole ride is is so feminine there's those those three distinct feminine features of the ride and then all of the imagery surrounding it this this well-kept southern home um and 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 all the merch and stuff. It's just it's fascinating to me how it's so feminine, especially like feminine coded towards 
like not not older women but but not children it's not it's a children's ride you can definitely take your kids on it if they're okay with being spooked but they somehow know somehow the fans of the of the ride became like 20 something to 30 something year old women which no other ride in Disneyland has the same demographic uh, definitely not as uh recognized of a demographic i guess if that makes sense like uh, as as uh yeah. recognized as the key demographic and kind of had the merch pointed at them that way sure i mean we're all big star wars fans but everybody right. gets a star wars t-shirt like in the in the star wars shop the haunted mansion stuff is very feminine yeah for sure so at the end of all of this, I think what makes the Haunted Mansion such a prevailingly popular ride is its really, really deep sense of atmosphere uh, that doesn't put on any airs of uh, being unreal or being exciting or being thrilling. It's this kind of slow contemplative look at a certain way to view mortality and that comes from its history and the way audiences experience it and from the story that it tells as well as its surrounding connection to the part and when we talk about all of these things together that's kind of why we thought you know let's dedicate an episode of the podcast especially our first episode to this incredible attraction that uh, serves kind of as an example uh, for others to live up to. Thank you for listening to Those Happy Places. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. The research for this episode was done by Buddy Duquesne and edited by Alice White. This episode was edited by Buddy Duquesne and produced by Alice White. Our theme music is Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers, featuring Phil Alvin. Find the Feet Warmers on YouTube or on their website, CaliforniaFeetWarmers.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Send people to our website at www.thosehappyplaces.com and join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thosehappyplaces, where we're always talking about theme parks and ideas for future episodes. We're also on Twitter. That's right. I'm at buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And I'm at Alice White THP for Those Happy Places. Thanks for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places.